What's up guys, this is Corey Baker from Baker Forge and Tool. In my business, we do tons of heavy grinding every single day, and we needed a grinder that could take abuse and keep on trucking without slowing down billet production. The Ameri Braid Variable Speed 2x72 is just that. All heavy duty parts and framing with well thought out accessories that are easy to use and not bogged down with lots of tiny parts. By far the best accessory item that Ameribraid sells is their surface grinding attachment. It is absolutely foolproof and the best in the industry. With quick release magnet system, there is no prying your workpiece off the platen. Very fast to slap a billet or a knife onto the table, engage magnets, and start surfacing with precise increments. On top of all of this, their customer support is outstanding. Eric and Kevin are always available and fast to help with any situation. If you're in the market for a top-of-the-line grinder or maybe just an accessory to add to your existing setup, go to Ameribraid.com and use the code HUSTLE100 for 100 bucks off any grinder package. All right, next up, the Hustle & Grind Podcast. What's up, everybody? It is the Hustle and Grind podcast back again with me, your host, Noah from Eniat River Forge. Ryan is, is he back? Ryan's back. Um, That's right. The king is back, baby. Ryan was a little sick last week. He is back with us. Uh, Our guest today is Jaden, the slacksmith, forged and fire champion, (laughs) journeyman smith, uh hammer flipper extraordinaire and maker of sharp pointy things that are very often forged to shape and in very unique ways how are you man good man thanks for having me on i'm super excited to be here sorry for the little laugh there i got a beer airdrop to me right as we begin that's perfect (laughs) can't complain about that no not at all well how's it going i'm locked in um good i just i just got down from a little bit of skiing up in the mountains and Super happy to be here talking about knives and associated devices. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. Well, hey, that's one of the one of the things that I love uh, about watching your feed is you do a little bit more than just the normal sharp pointy things that you see. Uh, the most recent post I think that I saw from you was you're going to have to tell me the name of it because I can't remember, but it was an integral handle knife that was had it the one a- with the. The Koa handle, like that really bright handle. Oh no, no, this was this was a full metal knife that had a couple of very oh. strategically drilled holes in the handle. <laughs> yes, what was that I one call called? Those, I call those the Smoky Pokey. It's a, a pipe and a knife for your go-to smoking materials, depending on where you live. And uh, I designed it to be the all-in-one kitchen tool, so that you can uh, smoke and make dinner at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> i love it i love it. <laughs> it it honestly it took me a second um i i, I when, when you posted that i sent it to somebody because i was like come on like this is so cleanly forged like look at this <laughs> and i said it's like and he even drilled he even drilled holes in the handle for you know weight reduction so that it's balanced well and and my buddy was like that's um that's that's not why he drilled the holes man <laughs> and i'm like uh, oh okay it took it took me a second <laughs> That's one of my favorite things about them is they're really elegant looking. They're not, uh, they don't come across as, uh, you know, apparel or uh, what's, damn it, what's the word? Uh, it's going to slip my mind. But they don't come across as a, a pipe or a smoking device. You know, it's uh, it's like a nice, really luxurious looking knife. I love doing all the facets and the crisp stuff. 
And uh, I like doing stuff out of a single block of material too. Forging is so much more fun than grinding. You hear that, Ryan? Forging is so much more fun than grinding. To some, probably. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. Ryan, Ryan here is the... looking uh, it up, sorry. Oh, no worries. Oh, nice. Ryan's a stock removal guy, so he, he oh, does right some, on. some pretty awesome grinds, and he does like diamond grinds and things like that, but uh, he, he he's never put the, the hammer to the anvil before, so we're trying to like badger him into like trying it, because we're pretty sure he's going to get hooked on it if he ever does try. That's Dude, the last I thing it. I need is a new addiction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I feel that. Yeah, say goodbye to all of your spare change. But uh, I, see a, I see a forge sitting behind you there. It kind of seems like you're getting ready to jump off the cliff. I've had that for two years. It's never been lit. <laughs> it's sitting on top of my kiln. Oh, no. Yeah. You just cool things down in it. <laughs> wow, that's cool. Yeah, Definitely. I'll just take a blade out and stick it up in there. And it just nice. Yeah. Sit. But I like doing yeah. that. Get on I, the what forging, it, man. It's so much fun. Jesus Christ. Everybody, yeah. <laughs> Brigham comes on. He's like, I challenge you. <laughs> like, my my theory on it is like, uh, you know, it's same result, extra steps. And that's la- like I said, the last thing I need is is a new addiction. I'm busy enough yeah. just doing stock removal. <laughs> oh, that's true. Especially especially now, you're you're busier than you don't have you don't have time to learn how to forge right now. Maybe later. Yeah, maybe in two months, something like that. Yeah. That makes sense. That's like a uh, fusion energy. They always say it's 10 years away. You'll always be two <laughs> months away from foraging. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody right, asked uh, me the other day, do you even have an anvil? And I was like, yeah, it's sitting on my floor. It holds up <laughs> my, my stone washing pipe when I'm not using it. <laughs> they make good tables. I like to straighten blades. I'll take two anvils and I'll put them one on top of another, flip one over so the faces touch and I'll temper blades and put them in between them. That's a good idea. I've, I've never had an extra anvil to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if they're flat I, enough, for sure. Yeah, yeah, you don't want the really clapped out sway back. But I Man, like I, with the with the forging. I, there's a lot of like if you wanted to make a a full tang knife or a Bowie knife or something that's like yeah, it makes sense to do it just out of the bar. You know, save some steps, spend less time doing the same result. But what if you want to make like some big weird chunk of steel with a blade organically flowing out of it. Like that's why I really like the forging for the things that allows you to do that. You couldn't otherwise. Right. It definitely limits me to be a stock removal guy, but things like integrals, I just have buddies make me some integral blanks or billets. And nice. That's a good I way to do it. I see the Koi and the Baker guys are making those integral billets now too. Yeah. I'm going to have to get my hands on one of them. I've got three two piece sets from Micah Dunn that nice. gotta be ground whenever um, oh that's cool yeah it's just you know fucking busy and then one you know once you start the list of tools that you have to buy it always grows <laughs> it never gets smaller yeah. like today well, i realized you know i need a bigger compressor and so i start yeah. like pricing out compressors i'm like holy shit <laughs> oh my god those are expensive yeah and- <laughs> Never ends. Before Never you end. before you know it, too, you dive down that rabbit hole and you're a tool maker. You're not even a knife maker anymore. You're making hammers <laughs> and axes and tongs and stuff. And it's like, what happened? 
Yeah, yeah. I know. I hate. I hate to stop making knives. Like just, just long enough to like make a set and like a new set of dies for my press. Like that kills me. It's like what I'm in yeah. my shop, but I'm not making a knife. So then you end up like, and you get dug <laughs> into that, and it's like, well, if I'm already making this set of dies, I should probably make this other set that I've been meaning to make. You know, and then <laughs> it's snowballs. Use... Wicked bad. Yeah, yeah, I use the shop improvement snowball as procrastination. I'll be like, I could work on all these orders I have and these things I need to do, or I could build another tool and like improve this one weird little workflow I've been waiting years to do. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, uh, a lot of people locally, like friends of mine have been like, why don't you make cutting boards to go with your chef knives? And I'm mm-hmm. like, do you even realize like uh, <laughs> how? Okay, so then I'm going to get a better table saw, better chop saw, more clamps more bench space, a planer, planer, everything. It's like a whole wood rack and piles of wood and glue and clamps. And then you got super like way more flammable than the dust we already deal with (laughs) floating around the shop. And it's just, it's like, if you start, if you do that, it's just a snowball and I'm, I'm afraid of it. I'm not too proud to say that I'm, I'm not afraid of it, but also, you know, I am afraid of it because then I'll be buying an Apollo and then I'll be buying, <laughs> I'll be buying 50 pairs of tongs and hammers. And you're, you're not going to regret buying an Apollo. Yeah. Those things are sweet. Yeah. No regrets there, man. No regrets. Uh, <laughs> no regrets. <laughs> no regrets. <laughs> Did you say rigatoni? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I've, I'm actually trying to, uh, I'm trying to see how low I can get it to go now because I, I've realized that I've been running it too hot. I, I can actually <laughs> like melt steel in that forge. So I I've love been trying that. To like, what's that? I just, I love that. I love that feeling. Oh yeah. It's insane. I've never had, I feel like it's just so much power. I was running it. So last week it was about negative four here. And normally when I run my forge, I have my shop door open cause I got a pretty small shop. And I'm like, I can't do that right now. It's it's too cold. So I tried running it with it in the shop. The problem was is that then it got so hot in the shop that I couldn't breathe, but I also couldn't <laughs> still have the door open. So I was like a like an like a middle aged woman with hot flashes where I had to keep opening <laughs> the door every so often, and then like stepping in and stepping out, like trying to keep it to where I could breathe. It was rough, but yeah, that's cool. a that's a constant struggle. Those uh, those Apollo forges, like forced air forges in general, but especially those Apollo forges, I've noticed this weird thing they do where the the more you turn them down, the hotter they get. Like there's this weird kind of cliff that you go off of where it just runs away. It's awesome. Uh, I still haven't figured it out, honestly. I, I I've got to work with the <coughs> airflow, and I'm not getting there quite yet. So I just need to I need to spend some time, get it up to temp, and then mess with it once it's already up to temp, because yeah. Once it starts, I mean, if you keep the same settings, once it's up to temp, it, it starts to, the flame starts to look weird. And so you start messing with the stuff. And I'm usually in the middle of trying to keep a billet hot. So I'm never able to just kind of sit back and just, I need to get this thing dialed in. Like it's, it's actually a little bit of a learning curve, just how to use the forge, not, not only totally. just assembling it and everything. There is a big learning curve to forced air. I was surprised by that when I first built a ribbon burner. Just by like, it's not just turn it on and go. You got to have your eye on pressures. You got to be looking at the flame coming out the front of it. I always like to look at the color of the jets in the ribbon itself. It's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever done any oxyacetylene welding, but you can tell if you've got a neutral oxidizing or reducing flame. 
you can yeah. do the same thing just based off of the color. There's this like really just perfect deep blue color that I always look for, but it's tough. There's just a bunch of weird little tricks you got to figure out. That's interesting. I've never actually looked quite at the flames, the coming directly out of, but that makes perfect sense when you compare it to an oxy torch. Yeah. I'm going to, it's super handy. I just look at that little blue cone and if it's all feathered out and kind of fuzzy looking, there's probably too much fuel. And if it's like, this really dark blue and starting to kind of separate. There's probably too much air. And so somewhere in the middle there is usually where I go. Well, thank you. That, Hell that, yeah. that actually helped me a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> it'll, who knows? It might actually help a listener too. So that's, that's cool. <laughs> Noah's Good. a mechanic. So you put it into terms that we understand. We're both mechanics. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you're, you, oh, go, oh, ahead. Sorry, go we, ahead. Yeah. We play with torches. <laughs> it happens. Yeah. I was going to say, unfortunately, I used it. <laughs> there was like a, a week, a couple of weeks ago, where I used the torch every single freaking day, and I was I was hating life. It was brutal, man. Yeah, those things are gnarly. They uh, All that like really crazy black sooty smoke that comes out when it's just acetylene is always funny. You get those little floaters coming down. Yeah, yeah. you're like, what the fuck? I'm like, yeah, what was that? What touched me? Yeah, what the, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Where'd that come from? Someone yeah. whispering on your neck. Like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah. I'd use the torches not long ago at work. Somebody sucked up a paver in their snowblower. Paver? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, and the auger blades like mangled around the shaft. And I was uh, like, well, only one way that's coming out. That's not <laughs> good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't be stuck if it's a liquid. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's the one thing <laughs> you, you learn about when you're using stuff. the torch at work, though, is, is you learn a lot about thermal mass. And trying to heat something up that's attached to something bigger, just how much that heat will get sucked out of it and how much heat you have to produce in order to get something warm enough to where it'll move. Hmm. Or if I'm, you're cutting, always... you learn where to place your feet. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's especially true if you make a habit of wearing flip-flops and torch cutting. <laughs> yeah. Can't say I've uh, ever done that. Um, I was the... <laughs> When I was a line cook, I would wear Crocs in the kitchen. Nice. And I, yeah. I'd take the hot spatula off the flat top, not even thinking about it, and just hold it downward. And it would oh. drip hot grease onto the top of my feet sometimes. I'm like, oh my God. That'll <laughs> wake me up. Cool at all. Yeah, that'll yeah. wake you up for sure. Um, I, was reading, I was thinking back, I used to work at this welding shop. Uh, I did like kind of ornamental, structural railing, staircases type of stuff. But it was cool because it was a blacksmith shop too. So we were doing fabrication and blacksmithing. So we would. We had like a 50 pound little giant and we'd do texturing jobs and stuff like that. And I was the only guy that knew how to forge there. So they'd always give me all the fun projects. But uh, every Monday, our bosses would buy us all breakfast and we'd spend the first hour from eight to nine clocked in just like doing a safety meeting and talking about the week. And it was really nice to say like, thank you to us. And uh, we used to take the oxyacetylene torch and we'd toast our burritos. We'd get that really nice, like golden Ooh. brown crispiness to it. If you've never had an oxyacetylene toasted burrito, I highly recommend it. <laughs> that's a great idea so every year we me and a couple of buddies go to elk camp and there's these elk camp burritos that we make every year it's it's bacon sausage egg uh hash browns cheese i don't know i might be missing something we wrap them in foil and we we uh have them cold and everything and then my buddy's got this little camp barbecue and so we cook them up on this barbecue in that foil and they get nice and crispy on the outside and they're nice and oh. gooey on the inside. 
And what sucks is every year we have a couple left over and we, you know, take them home and we like heat them up in the microwave or something like that. And it's, it just sucks. They're just awful. It's not the same as the camp burrito, man, but with an oxy settling (laughs) torch. Now you're cooking. Maybe. I'll, I'll bet my Apollo would probably do a good job of toasting up a, a camp burrito. <laughs> you could put your burrito in a canister, get like quarter inch thick walls. So it kind of <laughs> soaks in the heat a little bit. And then you could do the burrito canister billet. <laughs> the burrito canister billet. There we uh, go. You, like a... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I'm telling you, the blacksmith shop is full of uh, culinary wonders. You could sear steaks in a forge. You can, you can do all sorts of stuff. You can make creme brulee in, in a dozen different ways. Oh, yeah. I've seen the the Baker boys making uh, breakfast and steaks and stuff in front of their forges and whatnot a couple times. Nice. That's the way to go. Probably, probably healthier than a microwave, too. Yeah, seriously. What's a little carbon in your diet? I saw a video from Bob Kramer a couple of, maybe it was about a year ago now. He was making a 100-pound Damascus billet under his 500-pound little giant. It was huge. I mean, the thing was like 12 inches long, maybe eight inches wide and like eight inches thick. And he was, he had it under a chain hoist and stuff and he, uh, he got it all welded up and then he was sitting it on his table to cool down. And it was that kind of cherry red, you know, like 12, 1300 degree color. And he had put a cast iron pan on top of the billet was just cooking breakfast on top of the billet while it was cooling down. <laughs> it's like, what a cool way to do it. What a badass move. Like, yeah. <laughs> flex. <laughs> Seriously. That's awesome, man. So you were saying you used to work in a, a fabrication shop. So is that was that kind of like your first introduction to where you are now? Like what what started the the path to becoming a, a bladesmith? It was a really long, weird, and convoluted road. But honestly, I've just always been making stuff. Like my whole life, when I was a little kid, I'd take apart the TV remote and take apart radios and shit and try and put them back together. And eventually. Someone told me about welding. It must have been my dad or something. Neither one of my parents are tradespeople. They both are real estate agents. And uh, But my dad like had done some carpentry, and so he mentioned welding to me because I was always obsessed with fire. I was like, that sounds so cool. So for my 10th birthday, my parents got me a one-day welding 101 class at the local general air, air gas or whatever. And uh, it was awesome. I just fell in love. We bought a little you know, cheap like 100-amp MIG machine and uh, set it up with flex core and everything. And I taught myself how to weld over the course of a couple of years, just screwing around, making stuff, uh, you know, and I'd come home from school, making little sculptures and chairs and things. And one day I took a bar of mild steel and I welded a handle and a cross guard onto it and I sharpened it. I was like, this is crazy. I just made a sword. I can't believe that this is something you can do. And so I started <laughs> going down the, the knife path and that led me to blacksmithing eventually. And so I I did. Uh, I worked with this guy called David Nori, who was an ornamental blacksmith in my area for a long time. Super old school, Abana guy, if you know them. Yeah. And uh, he taught me blacksmithing stuff and tool making, and had this crazy shop. I still go work there sometimes. I'm fr- he's retired now, but I'm friends with the guy that took over for him. And they have a thousand pound ram nasal that's just like Jeez. it's insane. the The ram weighs more than my entire power hammer, and it hits like four times per second. Oh my god! Yeah, it's big. The dies are, you know, twelve inches by eight inches. It's like two anvils clapping on top of each other. Basically, it's just like this oh. this table. You could set stuff down next to what you're working on and still have plenty of room left over. But uh, that's nuts. Yeah, it's fun. I love going over there and making Damascus. But I did a bunch of work there. I learned blacksmithing, tool making, sculpture making, and uh, and then I started working as a professional welder in between high school and college. 
uh, at this shop called McLean Forge and Welding here in Boulder. And uh, I did that for about a year. And then I went and uh, I built like a bed and a kitchen in the back of my car and lived in it for a little while all over California and Oregon and stuff. And I came back and started making knives full time. And I've been doing that since. Hell yeah. Wow. So I think I've seen a couple posts with you working with the guys at Kilroy's workshop. Yeah. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. Ron's a good friend of mine. I love that place. Awesome. So, so you have your own shop and then you also do stuff over there as well. Is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. So I've got a little studio shop in, in uh, Louisville, which is like 10 minutes outside of Boulder. And it's just a little one room thing. I don't have a grinding room or nothing fancy, but I got a couple of anvils. I've got a tire hammer and a coal ironworks press and a couple grinders and uh, like a heat treating oven and stuff. And so I teach classes out of there and I make all my own stuff out of there. And then there's a couple of shops that I go and teach at. Teaching is a big part of what I do. I really like teaching. And so I try and go guest teach at different schools and shops when I can. Hell yeah. Gotcha. That's okay. awesome. I saw Thank you had done some classes and stuff, but uh, I thought maybe that was at Kilroy's, but you're actually teaching out of your own shop as well. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. Thanks, man. No, I, I love teaching out of my shop with all my own tools and my own space. It's a little funky, but I make it work. But uh, going to other places, I've taught a couple of classes at Kilroy's. Um, I helped Jason Knight with the class when I was out there a couple of days ago. I didn't really do too much teaching, but uh, you know he had one going on while I was there. And uh, there's a couple other places I've taught, but I love it. Teaching is so much fun. I think it's really, really important for me to not get burnt out because if I see mm. other people seeing this cool thing for the first time and being like, wow, this is, this is the shit, you know, like this is the coolest thing ever. It reminds me like, yeah, this is pretty cool. That's a really good way to keep your brain uh, operating the way that it's supposed to. And yeah, getting burnt out can always be a huge thing. A lot of, a lot of people who are in a, a trade or I don't know, an endeavor like, like this is whatever you, whatever you want to call it, a craft. Yeah. Um, we, we generally have that mindset where it's all the way on or all the way off. And so it's, uh, it's, it's tough to regulate and, uh, and be able to stay excited about what we're doing. So that's really cool that you have the opportunity to, to teach and, um, it takes a special mindset to be able to teach, you know, like, uh, not, not everyone can do it. I mean, you could have, I know there's plenty of people out there who are just as skilled as could be, but they don't have the mindset required to, to be able to teach. So that's wonderful. Wonderful that you're able to do that and getting more people interested in the craft and stuff. Um, I'm one thanks, of those man. people. I can't verbalize what I'm doing. Yeah. It's like, like just, you just do this <laughs> just do it what the hell yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no yeah, i totally I... get that i was Go ahead, say man. i learned i learned early on that teaching is its own skill like you could be oh, the yeah. best knife maker or blacksmith ever but if you don't know how to be a good teacher it doesn't matter and right. once you know how to be a good teacher you could teach anything you know how to do too it's not just one specific subject that's an interesting point yeah i uh i don't know all the jobs that I've had across the years, I've, I've generally ended up in some sort of a teaching role at some point, but it's always like this weird, like it's a switch that I have to flip in my head where I go from me just doing my job. You know, I got my, my headphones in, I'm listening to music or I'm listening to a podcast and then I have to flip that switch and then I have to like go over to being the teaching guy. And I've got an apprentice at work now. Um, and so the last, I don't know, month or two have just been completely different for me. And it's not bad. It's not bad at all. It's just, it requires a different type of energy. Like there's so much um, yeah. more mental that you have to do in order to be able to not just do what you're doing, but explain what you're doing 
and why and why that's important. And if you're teaching somebody that doesn't know anything about it, there's so much background that goes into each and every step that you have to explain because if they don't understand like the purpose and the reason behind everything, they're not going to, they're not going to get it. They're not going to want to do the thing because they're not going to understand the foundation behind it. And so that's always really time consuming, but worth it in the end to make sure that whoever you're teaching has that basic understanding and that, that background knowledge required, um, before they, they get into doing something. And so that's Jason Knight talked about that when he was on, he was talking about his teacher being a horrible fucking teacher. And, you know, like when he'd make a mistake, he'd just throw the knife out and not tell him why. And it was yeah, up to him. To, right. It was up to him to figure it out. And it's like, well, you know, I mean, Dude, I think you, I think a lot of that is that like older generation versus newer generation disconnect of like the old way of doing it was, yeah, you either figure it out or you get off the ship, you know, like you need to know what you're yeah, doing. And you or swim, bitch. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And uh, like a lot of negative reinforcement. And now I think people are starting to realize that positive reinforcement and uh, and just generally being nicer to people goes a long way. Like I always make sure to, you know, lean over to students, even when it's, especially the student who's struggling the most and say like, Hey, this looks good. You know, you're doing a good job, like giving them that kind of just a little bit of a nudge. And they're like, yeah, keep going. You know, you might not see potential in this thing that you're making yet, but like you're on the right path and that could go a really long way. Yeah. That's a big thing for all of us. Even like seasoned makers is like, you know, especially, you know, we'll go back to stock removal. The only thing I've got above anyone else is doing grinds that most guys can't do or wouldn't try. But when you're doing those grinds, they don't look good from the first step. You know, they don't look, really look good until almost the last step. Yeah. And and you got to know like, okay, I'm not done yet. It looks like a piece of shit right now, but it's, it's not done yet. I got to go back into that area, back into this area. Um, not setting your expectations too high right out the gate. You know, a yeah. lot of guys do that. And I've noticed that. that with a lot of people in blacksmithing too, in forging, uh, whether it's forging a knife or something else, there's a, a long part of the process where it just looks like shit. And so many people get discouraged. They're like, oh, this thing sucks. You know, it's ugly. It's all twisted up. It's bent. It's warped. It's whatever. Like I should just quit. And it's like, no, you got to push through that and and get to the, the finished product because it really doesn't shape up until the end like you were saying right yeah i was gonna say that like that what you're saying there ryan really translates over into forging as well i mean especially when you're talking about you know forging something from a small bar like especially like when i first started forging integrals i mean you're starting from something that looks like a twisted banana and it has to look like a twisted banana because otherwise the bevels aren't going to come out properly you know you have to be yeah. able to, to to know what it needs to look like in step four before you can get to step five, you know, and, and be able to have the material where you want it, which looks ugly so that you can move it to where you want it to be uh, later on. And so that's something that would be difficult to teach. I would imagine, you know, Hey, this is supposed to look like crap. It's, yeah. it's not there yet. Yeah. It's not there yet. Yeah. You, you don't, you're worrying about something that you're not on that part yet. You know, like if you, uh, mm. if you see any Neil Kamimura's videos where he's mid foraging, of a blade Disgusting. it looks like it yeah it looks it like up. a warped yeah. fucking potato <laughs> chip you know what i mean and then by the end it's perfectly straight and totally you know because he's not worried really good at that jason knight is always he? does these crazy preforms yeah and i like 
I remember when I was at his shop just a couple of days ago, he was making this thing. I thought he was making some sort of weird Tonto boning knife. Like it was all curved and it had this crazy clip to it. And he forged the thing out into a full-size chef's knife and it looked perfect. Like it was the, it was the best looking chef's knife I've seen all year. And it was just like, what the hell? How did you go from that to that? And like, how did you envision that process too? You know, I was very impressed by his, uh, his ability to preform stuff. Yeah, stuff like I think that just comes with years and years and years of doing it. And he knows that it doesn't need to look like a chef knife until a certain point. You know, it doesn't have to be a knife until it has to be a knife. Right. Absolutely. So speaking of forging steel, the place where I buy my steel to make integrals and chef knives and things like that is Maritime Knife Supply. Ryan, I see that you're a little busy with something. Lawrence, Lawrence is, is the, the man. man. I just talked yeah. to him today, actually. Lawrence cool. is the man. And not only can you get normal amounts of materials through Lawrence, but you can also get bulk amounts of materials yeah. through Lawrence. Ungodly amounts, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. It's great. That's exactly what you want to hear, though. I mean, it's tough to find bulk amounts sometimes, especially in the market we're in now of... Uh, most of the supply shops are geared towards the small, part-time hobbyist maker. You know, if I want to buy a thousand pounds of steel all in one go like who do you turn to the answer is exactly lawrence. yeah it's lawrence i just bought <laughs> i just put in a humongous order with him and cool. he saved he saves so much time it's like i need this much steel i need this much of this handle material i need this much of this pin stock whatever and he's Fucking done he'll, he'll, yeah he's like all right let me uh give me like an hour i'll figure out the yeah. best prices <laughs> Yeah, that's cool, man. It goes a long way. You can tell he cares what he's doing. I like that he stocks materials you can't find anywhere else, like that hex stock. When I did my yes. journeyman, my journeyman bladesmith uh, set, all of that was made out of Lawrence's 1084 hex stock. Hell yeah! Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I bought some of that hex stock from him a while ago. I it was uh, the first integrals that I finished. Um, actually to completion instead of just screwing around and saying, oh, it's crap and then throwing it away. Uh, we're from that, that hex stock. It was a, it's a great material to either oh, yeah. learn or just, just to forge integrals out of. It fits perfectly in the tongs because of that yeah. hex. And it just, it's a great material to work with. And it's 1084. I mean, it's what a lot of people use as a regular uh, carbon steel anyways. It's a great steel. And it is. It's wonderful so ryan i don't even know do, was that i don't think we even need to play our normal ad for lawrence i think that was probably good enough right <laughs> i mean we should we, we should still should. play it okay all right yeah give give lawrence a, a moment give him a shot hustle and grind is sponsored by maritime knife supply whether you're looking for steel abrasives handle material forges epoxy or anything for making in general maritime knife supply has you covered and in the U.S. or Canada, they ship faster than the great Cobra Chicken Gooses that their country is known for. <laughs> Go to Maritime Knife Supply, and when you buy a 10-pack of belts, get 10% off. And tell them we sent you, eh? Thanks, Luke. Oh, thanks, Luke. Speaking of fucking Cobra Chickens, <laughs> I come out the other day with the dogs, open the back door, let them out into the yard. I step out onto the deck, and there's a fucking Cobra Chicken inside my fence. Uh oh! Both of my dogs are like, "What is that?" I'm like, "No, we, no, 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 no!" I'm like, "It looks nice." Can we back nice. up a? Can we back up a moment? What is a cobra chicken? A Canadian goose. Oh. <laughs> it, like they look innocent. They're mean. They're not. Oh, they're nice evil. People. Oh yeah, yeah they're, they're not nice. They're evil. 
I homicidal like, panda on, pigeon. Let's go. Yeah. yeah, I got them in the house, and then yeah, he flew away. I, I feel like I, uh, I feel like both of your dogs probably could have taken him though. Vern's a big chicken shit for a ninety pound hound. There's no way anybody <laughs> could have hunted him. He's just he's afraid of everything. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Georgia, she goose, man. Yeah, she, she's little, but she give it a college try. Those <laughs> the little yeah. ones that are the most aggressive. Yeah, she's like not aggressive. She's like the sweetest dog to people, but if there's an a, like a little critter around. Like she muckled right a hold of a squirrel this year, nice. and it, it it bit her on the chin, and she dropped oh, it. And no. I was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, they never beagle. know what to do once they've actually got the thing. Yeah, she's half beagle, half pointer. So oh, it's, nice. The drives in her. Yeah, she's she's a sweet girl though. That's but, cute. Yeah, it just reminded me because of the gooses. Because we have a huge are- field behind our house, and the flocks of them will come and land in the field and chill out before they fly off. And nice. this one. We have like a seven foot chain link fence around the backyard, and this one just landed short of the field and was like, hmm, What's going on over here? The, the pump shotgun for that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Ryan can't kill things. He's got too big of a heart. <laughs> I'm a softie. I, I'll save anything's life but a goose. I'll kill a goose. Now, if that goose was fucking my dog up, yeah. And it was like, I'm going to have to take my dog to the vet. I'm going to get my couple thousand bucks out of that goose. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to eat you. Beat it like it owes you money. <laughs> it's like those videos you see of people defending their dogs from coyotes, and they're like powerbombing coyotes <laughs> and stuff. Or did you ever see that one of the dude in Australia with the kangaroo that has his dog in a headlock, and he like walks oh, up yeah. and just gives it the right hook to the chin? Yeah, yeah he squares up with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know what's funnier, the original video or Shane Gillis's impression of the video. <laughs> I do love Shane Gillis. That dude is hilarious. He's my favorite comedian right now. Of yeah, he's definitely. Comedians. He's good. Yeah. So uh, I just kind of wanted to ask. So I, on this show, we talk a lot about progress. And actually, a couple of weeks ago, we, we did the Hustle and Grind Awards where we uh, gave away imaginary awards to uh, – to people for different categories <laughs> and cool. one of the uh one of the categories was biggest improvement over the year and you know leveling up is something we talk about a lot you know we talk about the fact that people like jason knight and steve schwarz are you know they they take freaking classes <laughs> from from other people and so you know we, we're, we're always encouraging people to take classes and level up and that sort of thing yes and the one thing that i noticed because i scrolled through darn near all of your instagram um, cause you and I have never met. So I just kind of wanted to get an idea of, um, you know, what, what you were about before you came on the show and Good it seemed like Instagram stock. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately <laughs> I don't, I don't have like that long of a, uh, like a, a attention span. So I, I like, I didn't do like a deep dive, but you know, there's just <laughs> one thing that I noticed was it seemed like there was a transition where your work just bumped up to the next level. And I was wondering if there was anything in specific that you thought of that maybe caused that or fueled that or or where you saw that kind of happen in your own bladesmithing journey where it, it just it kicked it up to the next level. That is a great question. And I'm honestly uh, uh, impressed and honored that you caught that kind of subtle transition between my work going from, you know, decent to like really turning into good stuff. 
And it was exactly what you were just saying. It was going and taking classes. I went and took a class from Jason Knight four years ago now at Kilroy's, uh, Kilroy's workshop. And we made the elemental chopper. He did. I took his elemental chopper class. We made one of them big forge to finish choppers. And I learned a lot in that class. I was also, I had an injured right hand. I had a broken right hand. Uh, and I'd been signed up to class for months before it happened. So I did all the forging left-handed for the first time in that oh, class. I was geez. like, oh my God, I'm going to take a class with Jason Knight. Like, I can't not go to this. What the hell am I going to do? And I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to forge with my left hand. And it ended up going great. It was a real challenge, but it really, uh, I learned a lot from the whole process and, you know, being patient and not getting frustrated and stuff. But uh, the biggest thing I got out of that class was how to make comfortable, good looking handles. And that was where I really started to fall into my handle style, which is this kind of like, Jason Knight-esque, uh, big swooping bird's beak type of thing in the back, but I really like the facets. I'm really big on the sharp lines. And uh, so that first class just totally changed things for me because it went from I was a completely self-taught knife maker, never having took a class from someone, to now I've got this knowledge on how to make these handles from someone who's been doing it for you know four decades or whatever, like someone who's really, really good at it. Uh, let me put that into my own work. And then I started to see these details and I started to look at my knives in a more critical and astute way. And then I took a class from Steve Schwartzer uh, that also really affected my knife making. And then honestly, I think the the two that had the biggest impact on my work and the quality of it was the class I took with David Lish out in Washington last year. And then the class I took with uh, Salem Straub also in Washington this year. And uh, those two, I noticed the biggest improvement in my own knife making because those guys are just wealths of knowledge. Like I, I also learned, I learned how to take classes from knife makers and how to get the most out of it. And what I learned is that I learned the most when I go to someone and say, I want to watch you make a knife, how you make a knife if no one else was here. And I'm going to make one right alongside you. I'm going to make a knife the same way you make a knife. And I'm going to make your type of knife, even if it's something I'd never do. Because then I can choose the parts and the tricks and the tips that I like from that, put it into my own work. And at the end of the day, I think the most valuable thing you can get out of it is those tips and those tricks and those little shortcuts or time and efficiency increasing, saving steps. Uh, it's not going to be some groundbreaking information that you never would have thought of. It's always going to be something simple that you're like, oh, I'm an idiot. How could I not have thought of that? Uh, and those, those are the things that really leveled up my knife making personally. Yeah, you notice like the little nuances of like how they hold something or yeah. if they're at the, if they're at the, like, uh, we took, Noah and I took Jason Knight's grinding class at Blade last year. Cool. And I noticed he does this like flick thing when he pulls yeah. the tip off the belt. And I was like, that's interesting. Yeah, like, that's all it is. It says, it says weird little things that you never would think about until you see someone else do it. And you're like, I don't do it that way. Why? And like, well, I can come up with a good reason, but I know why he's doing that. You know, I see him doing that. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. So I'm going to try it. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where I've gotten the most improvement is, is studying other people. Yeah. I I've always been a firm believer. If, if you're not willing to learn anything else, if you think my handles are the shit, this is the best handle I can possibly make or my blades, whatever, whatever you're making, you're fucked. You're, yeah. you're fucked. You might as well yeah. just sell everything right now. If you're not willing well, you're to yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, you run into those people too that are unwilling to accept criticism. And I think that's the biggest thing that holds a lot of people back is they'll hand you a knife. And I notice this a lot more happens with people I'm friends with who are more famous in the knife world. Uh, you know, I'm sure you can think of some people that like people come up to them at Blade Show and say, hey, Mr. Knight or Mr. Lish or whoever, like, could you look at my knife? My knife? Uh, what do you think? 
And half of those people just want you to tell them it's good. Half of those people actually want you to say, here's what's wrong with it. And here's what you can do to fix it. But it's, it's the being open to that. I think is really important. There's a lot of people that just uh, take it personally when you're like, you know what, you could have done this better because they don't hold themselves to that same standard. Right. And how, but, and that's like baffling to most of us because how can you not, Mm -hmm. if you got, if you have visible scratches that are 36 grit, you know, that's an issue. You don't need me or Jason Knight or anybody else to tell you that's an issue. So like well, that, you can do that right too. Like you can do that intentionally and make it clear that it was a design choice. But if it looks like it was just because you were too lazy or it was accidental or whatever, then it's like, yeah, you know, you got to be prepared for someone to say, hey, this kind of looks bad. Right. Like if you get a clump of scratches that are 60 grit surrounded by 400 grit. Yeah. That's obviously you, you need good. to go a little deeper. <laughs> yeah. You got a little yeah. divot there. No big deal. It happens. It happens to all of us. It's just totally. if you take that extra time to get it out is the difference. It's, and like, being it's also that, to be told that too, like, Hey, like, don't ask, you know, don't ask if you're not willing to take it. Like Noah yeah. and I have a group chat with three of our buddies and we're nice. all under, we all know, like if we put a knife in that group chat, it's either going to get a lot of praise or it's going to get a lot of hate. Hell yeah. But it, that's healthy. You got to do that. Well, and, and that's actually something that I noticed. Um, so I, I don't remember what episode it was, but you know, I think we brought that up that most people don't ask for my opinion. And when I, you know, I'm not going to go out of my way to criticize somebody else's work, but when somebody asks me their opinion or asks me rather for my opinion, excuse me, I'm going to give it and I'm going to be honest and it could be kind of harsh. And I got more messages over the last couple of weeks of people asking me to critique their work or give me, give them my opinion on a design or something like that than I ever have. And so that tells me that there is a lot of people out there who are tired of being told, oh yeah, it looks great. And they want an honest opinion. They want honest feedback. They want somebody to be brutally truthful to them about you know, what other people's opinions are and, and seeing something from a different perspective, even not even just like, you know, right and wrong, but just the different perspective that you get when you ask somebody else. And, you know, when I come on the show and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a dick to my friends because uh, they asked me my opinion and I give it to them good and hard. And all of a sudden people want more of that, 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 you give it to your friends good and hard. <laughs> After you said I'm a dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Keep going. It's all right. It's all right. Oh, my gosh. Uh, <clears throat> anyways, yeah, the point is, is that, you know, uh, it people are out there and they want that, you know, they want that that brutal truth, you know, and, yeah. and it's sad that there are people that don't. But the people who who ask questions like that, you, you know that they're on the right track and you know that yeah, they're, they're going to get grow. Well, yep. unless they're one of those people that, <clears throat> like he said, they ask the question, but they don't want the honest answer. Yeah. Well, then they or ask they're the unwilling, Or they're unwilling to act on it. That's the other big one is someone you could give mm. them all the good advice in the world, but if they're unwilling to change their way and, you know, try something different, it doesn't matter. Yeah. That's if they're point. okay with that, if they're like, well, that's my style. <laughs> That's why everybody should go learn from other knife makers that you like if you want to get better. And then you get to make a cool road trip out of it. And maybe the knife you'll make in that class, you could sell for even more than you paid for the class and make money on a educational trip. 
That's true. And, and if you're running a business doing it, that's all tax deductible. Exactly. And if you guys <laughs> don't believe anything that we have just said, I want you to go to Jaden's page, the Slacksmith on Instagram. You probably already follow him and scroll down and look at what I'm talking about. Look at the difference <laughs> between when he was self-taught and like he was saying, after he learned from some of these you know, amazing makers that we always talk about, that in-person learning is so valuable and you're going to see the value when you look at his page. Like it, you can yeah. tell and it's so important. That, it is uh, night and day. Sometimes I'll yep. go back in time on my own Instagram feed and look because I've I've had the same Instagram account since I was like 13 years old, and uh, you can see some of my first stuff if you go all the way back. And it's it's Weird. rough. It's rough as hell. And I, I couldn't it's imagine. Really nice. <laughs> it's it's humanizing, you know. Like I think it's important to see that because I've had a lot of people that'll send me messages say, "Dude, how'd you get so good at knife making? Like I can't believe it. I just never could imagine making stuff like you do." Like, man, I was in the same boat not that long ago. Like, it really is just putting time and effort into it and being strategic about uh, who you go and learn from and the way you view style and uh, everything else. I want to take a class with Noah Vachon. Yeah, I love his stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's a good knife maker. I've met him in person a few times. He's like a gem of a human. I fucking cool. love that dude. And uh, he's within moderate driving distance, probably an eight-hour drive from my house. Where are you guys located, by the way? I'm in Maine, and he's in Washington State. Oh, right on. Wow, you're about as far away as you possibly could be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm actually quite near a couple of those makers you said you took classes from. Yeah, you should go take classes with them, man. Salem's absolutely on my list. It's absolutely on my list. Um, I've got a couple of orders right now that I think once they are done, they will be funding some cool. classes. Oh, myself. that's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. I uh, I can't pick favorites. I love all the people I've learned from, but I will say if you get the chance to go take a class from Dave Lish, you'll have the most fun you've ever had. He seems like a character, man. Let me tell you what, like all yeah. of his videos are entertaining. His <laughs> style is unbelievable. You know, he, yeah. he just he's so out there and he's so willing to make mistakes that he comes up with out of the box things yep. that you don't normally see. And so he's, he's such a, a great person to follow just to get that kind of inspiration from that. It's, it's okay to try crazy things, you know? Yeah. And, That's why and I have, I have the utmost respect for Dave Lish because he gets weird. He'll do weird stuff and he'll take risks and it might not work out. And he's okay with that. He's also a talented blacksmith. He's not just a knife maker. He's a really good blacksmith. It work It shows in his work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm looking through his stuff right now. How crazy is that? Dude, I mean in that Fu Manchu, that that mustache I was just gonna say and that, dude. combo, yeah. His Fu Manchu is fucking that's the best part. It that's seriously insane. is it's it's iconic. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to meet him at Blade, but man, he was busy, so I, I didn't yeah. want to interrupt. So uh likes podcast. Yeah, What's I'm that, sure Ryan? he'd come on, send him a message. We're uh we're booking for April right now. Nice. So. I don't yeah, like to get no, that, too far out, like two, three yeah. months is probably the max because that's smart. I write it down, but everybody, you know, <laughs> like, hey, remember that thing we agreed to five months ago? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I get that. a yeah. few too many left handed cigarettes broke my ability to compose things more than three months out. 
(laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Uh, That's a new one. All right, Uh, Ryan, real quick. If you were going to, I mean, we already talked about the fact that you're a stock removal guy. Um, So you use probably. You say that with such fucking. (laughs) Said like a sore. Like your pinkies up. Like you're like, no, <laughs> not at all. Stop I was just going to talk about the fact that you're probably <laughs> a little bit more selective about the abrasives that you use. And if you're buying abrasives, where are you going to get them from? That's all I was saying. Listen, oh, there's no story involved at all. Phoenixabrasives.com. Uh, That's right. I So I started grinding on that Apex Ultra Diamond Grind. Nice. That shit is gnarly yeah. to grind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 0.20 stock because that's all I could get my hands on. So um, <laughs> there's a lot of meat to remove. Yeah. And uh, those uh, Actorox VSM blue belts, they'll they'll eat through it. Yes, they are pricey, but if you're grinding something like Magna Cut or Apex Ultra or any of these super steels, you got to spend that extra money. You go through three regular belts to the one. But yeah, I'll play their ad. Let's do this. Hustle and Grind podcast is sponsored by Phoenix Abrasives, your one-stop abrasive shop. When you go to phoenixabrasives.com, click the shop icon in the upper right-hand corner to find all the abrasives you'll ever need. Check out the Incinerator 36-grit ceramic belts, along with the Trizact gator belts that the hosts of Hustle and Grind use every day. When you check out, use code HUSTLE10 for 10% off your entire order. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Luke. And yeah, yeah, those those incinerator belts are expensive, but if you got code Hustle Ten, that's going to help out a little bit. And mm-hmm. I mean, you slap five of those in your cart, you put that ten percent off. I mean, you're getting more than ten bucks off of there, so that's going to ease the blow a little bit, I'd say. Yeah, uh, I I kind of had to rethink how I grind because I'm taking off so much meat, and you don't want point two zero at the spine. So what I figured is I'm I'm basically grinding it twice. So I'm doing a normal diamond grind like I would at that thickness, but then I'm going to drive the flat grinds on the spine down to an eighth inch. And then I got to start all over and put the hollows back in. Why didn't you just surface it down? Because I already started. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't have my surface serious. grinder. Oh, yeah. Okay, I got you. It came after I started grinding it. I see. My bad. Which one? Which one did you get? Ameribraid. Nice. They make a good one. All the way. Ameribraid, baby. We're we're Ameribraid fanboys on this show. Wait, wait. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to run. Nice. (laughs) I'm wearing the the Ameribraid shirt while I'm talking about it. They make a good machine, man. And they, they come up with unique stuff, too, which I really like. They come out with all sorts of crazy things like that. Uh, Whatever the hyperdisc, I think it was called, the interchangeable disc sander buffing. Like, I think it was crazy looking. And they're super cool. Yeah. uh, What's What's the main guy's name? I've met him a bunch of times, but I always forget. Eric and Kevin. Eric, yeah. Or maybe it's Kevin I know. Blonde dude. Yeah, that's, yeah Kevin. that's Kevin. Yeah, yeah, super nice guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I, if it was any other sponsor, I may have ruined it because I had this have this idea that I've been mulling around. It's kind of on the back burner for a website that sells dick shaped objects that are funny. <laughs> and I brought it up to them at Blade Show, and they were like, "We've had the same idea. What's the name you came up with?" <laughs> and I was like, 
And then he pulls out his phone. He starts like showing me prototypes <laughs> they've made of different oh my things. God. You guys yeah. should start a business, man. Do a little IPO. I'd buy some stock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go public with it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, there you go. Oh, ah, excuse me. I got to get Richie off his ass. I already <laughs> bought the domain name and everything. What is it's it? Like dicktrinkets.com. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's a, you know, but shit gets busy. My brother's busy. He's the one who's, he was, it was our idea together we came up with. And nice. uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you got time. You can always do that down the line. Dick yeah. trinkets will never go out of fashion. Exactly. That's a timeless, yeah, timeless idea. <laughs> For sure. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I well, like the you way think? you guys think. <laughs> you think that method will work on grinding yeah. that diamond grind? I'm through the first grind now and I got to go back in and push the hollows in further. And So explain to me uh, for the unlearned fool that I am, what is a diamond grind? It's basically an S grind, but it's okay. Noah Vachon coined the term diamond grind because he puts oh, cool. a hollow in on both spines and then flat grinds, you know, to the bevel. Uh, okay. So it's like um, a diamond shape. Okay. I think I see what you mean. So it's kind of like what Salem is. Oh, go ahead, man. I was just going to say, it's kind of like what Salem does, right? It's like a flat grind with a convex body. Yeah. So it creates cool. that like air pocket. And yeah, that's, this, a, that's this, a great grind. There's some contention on enough if it helps with food release or not. Um, it really depends on how, how far up towards the edge you go with the hollow. Um, yeah. Some guys Even will use a 12 inch wheel. Just, yeah, that, yeah. I like I like doing them with a little bit lower of a radius. I've noticed it makes it a little bit easier and more effective. Yeah, I I use eight or four. Nice. Yeah, four if you want if you want a real tight, you know, if you want to be able to look down the blade and see the diamond shape. Yeah, you know, I do love those choil shots of those guys who make those crazy like Japanese style cleavers where it's just like goes to almost zero and then you can just see that edge. It's like oh my mm -hmm. god juicy i've never been that brave yeah i it's think i've only heartbreaking made when you go on with you i've done like one or two push and i'm just yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll that's They're kind hard. of like yeah i mean it's it's kind of one of my goals for this year is to try and get back into trying that um nice. and it's 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 just trying to level up you know it's, it's like i yeah. i just trying to do something different and uh i wanted to get into um what's it called the convex platen um oh yeah those those rotary platens no i have a rotary like a radius platen radius platen thank you yeah um, those are cool rather than using a wheel just so that it's not like a really really shallow hollow i want it to be subtle you know, I yeah. love the, the dramatic look of a diamond grind, but when you're talking about doing something like an integral Damascus chef, like I want it to be subtle. I don't want it to to be right in your face. So I'm going to be experimenting my, with that. My first ever compound grind was with a 30 inch radius and it was with Salem Straub staring over my shoulder. And I was just <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, please don't fuck this up. Like, just hold your breath. <laughs> That's nice. hard, man. Yeah. Actually, and that's, that's where that's, I looked for my first one that I did was I watched Salem Straub's videos that he has. I mean, they're old videos on YouTube, yeah. but they're there of, of him that doing. 
grinds. That dude's videos are so slept on. He does like full in-depth tutorials and like 400 people will watch it. He's such a cool dude too. I met him this year at the New England School of Metalwork. I took a class from nice. him. And he... Oh, you took the NESM class. Yeah, he spoke really highly of that whole crew. Yeah. Yeah, it was That's fun. Cool. He's a, he's a cool dude. I like he's like Dave Lish. He's just a really unique guy. Like he's got a lot of cool history. He's got a lot of cool personality and quirks about him. And I like weird people, so I I got along with him really well. Right. Yeah. For sure. Nice. <laughs> Back on the radius platen, Noah. Uh, I was gonna say they're good over like say I use serrated wheels that. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. They won't deflect the more pressure you put on them. Whereas, like a radius wheel or a serrated wheel, if you put a lot of pressure on it, you're gonna moosh the wheel, and it oh. changes your radius. Okay. And I think that's where a lot of guys get discouraged on diamond grinds or putting in deep hollows like that because they'll start getting facets and they're like, "Why in the fuck? It's a fucking radius. Yeah. Why? It doesn't make sense. <laughs> you're, you're pushing too hard and you're changing the radius of the wheel." You get, or if you, know, you use a different size belt, like a different thickness of belt, sometimes we'll yep. do that. Yep, that's why I use trizacs all the way up because nice. they're thick. Yeah, so they they're the thick. same thickness as a thirty-six. So then, we've gone over that in the past too. That that's a method. Yeah, but I that forgot I've it. Developed that I use <laughs> the same thickness belts all the way up through. That's a and handy trick, new, man. Yeah, those new uh, what are they called? The compound grain belts or whatever. Do you know what I'm talking oh, about, Noah? Yeah, the compact grain abrasives yeah those those are thick all the way up through the higher grits too that's nice so if if you if you want to avoid that headache of trying you know putting in facets that aren't the same radius on accident like i ran into yesterday i kept getting a deep gouge when i was grinding and i was like is material loading up is and come to find out there was a piece of shit stuck behind the belt on the platinum Uh, and it was just making a a bump and i'm like what the fuck figured it out clean the platen off you know whatever but those little things man some people they get discouraged by it and be like oh i can't do this because every time i do this one thing it makes this groove in it and i don't know why well there's a reason why you gotta figure it out you've got to you've got to embrace the insanity a little bit too like sometimes you have to just do the same thing over and over again until it works (laughs) yeah yeah heat treatings like that yeah yeah, like sometimes you have a shitty batch. You're like, what the fuck? Why? <laughs> yeah. I did the same thing I did 10 batches ago. The last 10 yeah, batches. You, what? You just what? you did it on a full moon instead of a new moon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So little quirks and things like that can happen a lot during making Damascus and whatnot. But if you wanted to get the absolute best Damascus that you could, that you know there's not going to be any faults with, the place I would go to would be Baker Forge and Tool. And oh, yeah. how, how am I doing with these transitions, guys? This is like a new thing for me to like try and like, to, <laughs> hey, I'm going to try and take the conversation into the, one of our sponsors. Um, one of us is going to do like it. A, I don't know <laughs> if I sound like an idiot or not, but I'm like, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm you're, reaching you're hard it. here. If um, we didn't wrangle each other, these podcasts would be three hours long. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, the guys at Baker Forge know what they're doing. They're not going to be affected by new moons and 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 no. full moons. They don't so, even have the moon in North Carolina. <laughs> just constant cloud cover. Yeah. So uh, Baker Forge and Tool, uh, Ice Storm Wavy and Elite Copper Mai with a Chevron pattern is what they are dropping this week. And 
I'd just like to throw a brief shout out to our customers using that code uh, Hustle10 to get themselves 10% off those bars. I appreciate you guys sending me the DMs. Let me know that you guys are using those or sorry, using that code and getting some awesome stuff from Baker Forge and Tool. Um, and then a quick shout out as well to Koi for his um, his video that he put out this week. He's like lounging back in like this leather <laughs> recliner and he's like, he's like reading a, a magazine. Oh, Oh, hi, guys. It's uh, Koi oh, from Big Force and Tool. How are you? I was just, <laughs> just doing some my Sunday reading here. Uh, <laughs> those guys are always doing uh, funny videos. And uh, their guy, uh, Waylon, that does their uh, videography he's and good. photography, he's wonderful. And he always comes up with these. Or actually, I don't know if it's him that comes up with them. But he films, you know, where they'll do, like, questions. And they'll ask all the guys the same, the same question. And, you know, like, what vehicle do you drive was like this last week and somehow i knew for sure that jay drove a freaking toyota truck and that yeah. was hilarious to see <laughs> oh what year was it it looks pretty uh, new it's oh, newer. fairly it's a newer tundra yeah it's, it's yeah. You, you know them tundra drivers they're, they're sort of a uh a, a, a type you can just sense when you're in the presence of a tundra driver you know what i mean i guess that's i'm that's one of those it. guys because i'd love to have a toyota truck yeah, they make a Toyota makes good cars, man. They've been doing it a long yeah. time. But I gotta I I say, the- while we're on the while we're on the Baker uh, topic, those are some stand up guys. I fucking love all those dudes. And that ice storm pattern is just insane. All that nickel on there, it's so shiny and like deep, dark, and dangerous. I just love the way that one looks. Oh, for oh, sure. I completely agree, man. That ice storm was one of my favorites. I remember the, when they first came out with it, I was like, "Ooh, I think that might be my new favorite." I do yeah. love the original Dark Mai. I've got a bar of yeah. that that I'm excited That's to use. That's a classic. But the that ice storm, classic. It's just also, it's so bright in contrast. Ah, it's killer. While yeah. I'm thinking of it, Koi deserves some love for making some real change in the community. He is doing a massive push for there to be a maker presence on X. Oh no yeah. way! I didn't know that. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't use uh, that one. Yeah, Twitter, whatever X. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It'll I don't know what's called it anymore. I just feel like yeah. a dick. <laughs> <laughs> but he's making a big push to ha- like have a community presence over there too. That's cool. That's yeah. well needed. I mean, with the uh, I'm sure you guys saw the uh, the Instagram exodus that happened a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we were all affected by it. Yeah. Definitely good to maybe build up another option somewhere. Yeah, they kicked I, us yeah. in the balls pretty hard. <laughs> no. And honestly, I, I was I was considering X for a while. I mean, I've talked I've mentioned it to Ryan a number of times over the last couple of years, and I had finally made one. And so I'm following Baker on there as well. And there's a number of different knife makers. It's just a weird platform that I'm not used to. Um, you know, there's yeah. groups that you can join and they do videos, but not in the same way that other apps do. And so it's 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 a learning curve for sure to figure out how it works. But there is a knife making group um, on on X, formerly known as Twitter. And cool. there's a number of really great makers on there and they're all posting content. Um, I'm not because I suck, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I should. <laughs> I'm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I just need to get to the the point where I can just make a piece of content and then just post it to multiple platforms. But at this point, that's the way to do it. I'm not trying to Good. gain followers. I, I don't want any more orders. So uh, <laughs> nice. I'm, yeah. I'm just gonna stand back here and do my own thing. Hell yeah! Um, the second but, the second I can afford it, I am hiring a full time video media and social media person. Hell yeah! Oh yeah, absolutely. That's the way to go, man. I can't stand it. I can't keep up with it. 
I mean, if you're if you're busy enough actually making and selling, you don't have time to spend three hours a day posting on social media. And no. who are you posting to? Other makers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're exactly. impressing your friends. You're not. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you'll pick up sales here and there, but that I don't. I've I've lost faith that that's the way. You know. Yeah, it definitely is not as viable of a business as it used to be to just sell off of social media. Still, yeah, it's got its right. place, though. It's still useful. It is, and it's fun, and you get to see what, you know, you get to show your buddies what you're doing and some clientele, but, yeah, you know, most, most, like, people aren't going to just follow random knife makers, except puppy videos and your, your Aunt Helen, you know, it's, yeah, exactly, yeah, Facebook is the only one that works, Facebook is the only one, see, I've never gotten any traction on Facebook, I haven't had good, yeah, I haven't either, yeah, See, here's the thing. Like, I have maybe, oh, shoot, I don't know. Let's just, for the sake of numbers, let's say I have less than a quarter of the followers that I have on Facebook than I have on Instagram. Yeah. And I've gotten more orders from Facebook than I have from Instagram by such a wide margin that it's almost non-existent like that makes sense because you get a lot more older people who've made money and like are trying to buy nice things using facebook right yeah they have disposable income yeah and yeah i don't know part of my losing faith in in social media being the way is you know we know each other i have two thousand something followers some of my friends have four hundred thousand followers and they get the and, same number of likes and stuff. Yeah. And like, you know, Mike Jones Knife and Tool is 50,000 followers. I have 2,200. He gets the same numbers on his on his reels yeah. that I do. No, I see that all the time. I keep seeing accounts that kind of end up being dead, even if they've got 100,000 followers or more. Yeah. And it's not like they're being lazy posting once a week. They're continuously posting and they're just not gaining traction. And it's like, okay, I well. Honestly, my, my secret uh, conspiracy is that I think that People who have that happen, it's because they're posting too much. I know everyone says you should post like once a day or whatever. You should be doing all this stuff. I'll post like sometimes once a month, even if that. And every single time it's like close to a thousand likes, like hundreds of people sending it to friends and different people and stuff like that. And it's when I start going every two or three days that it starts to taper off. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I've noticed a, a good return on investment when I wait a while. Your work, your work is dope as fuck too. So naturally, it's gonna be, <laughs> you know what I mean. I appreciate like, it. Yeah, the uh, there is that too. Like the Mike Jones factor puts out helps. Nice, yeah, the weirdness factor helps. Mike Jones puts out nice work. Yeah, you know, um, it, but it's like it's one of those things. Why? Yeah, you know, fifty thousand followers. He sh- you, mathematically he should see that amount yeah. more views totally. than what yeah, I've I got wish, percentage I wish it scaled. I think a yeah. part of it too is um like personality. I don't know Mike Jones personally, but I have noticed that like putting yourself in front of the camera, talking to the camera, being like having a face to the name helps a lot too. People yeah, Jason like Knight said you. that too. He's like Yeah, Jason Knight's good at that. What did what did he say? No, he said uh if if you're not using your name as your brand, you're a fucking idiot. Or something it's like that. Good advice. Yeah, it's good advice. Probably close to a direct quote. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. I took that uh, a little personally. Like, that's a good point, too, with Mike Jones as an example, because he mostly posts pictures of his knives. Yeah. 
it's just straight up knives or, yeah. or he'll do the grain reveals like we all do, you know? Um, yeah. And those, and those can be good. Sometimes those are successful too, but I have noticed that, uh, being a personality in front of the camera, it's, it's a YouTube effect too. I've talked to Will Stelter about this a whole bunch, uh, cause he is big on YouTube and people will start to do crazy things like spending thousands of dollars on one of your knives. If they feel like they know you, if they have seen a few of their videos or your videos and they've seen you, uh, you know, and if you're funny or weird or they're your, whatever your personality is like, they, they start to kind of connect with that and they're much more willing and excited to support you. Cause they feel like you're, uh, you know, someone that they know rather than just yeah. a, a faceless hand that holds a knife or uh, takes photos <laughs> or whatever. Right. Yeah, exactly. it, it adds a certain level of credibility to your brand. And it yeah, is a well, brand. We are our own brands. It's oh it's, yeah, it's all brand. As shitty as a shitty, tacky, weird cliche <laughs> thing to say is brand. But yeah. um, look at uh, you guys know who Caleb Francis is, right? Caleb Francis comedy. Yeah. He's that big yeah. Viking looking dude. He used to make knives. What really? And he did like five years ago. No way. I didn't know he, that. That's what he was doing when he first started was making knives. But his fucking oh. he's hilarious. His content's so good. <laughs> why make knives when you can just be funny and hang out with Matt yeah. Best all day? You know, that's pretty like, cool. That's I've a, been shocked a, how many people great example. Make, yeah. Like, uh, I know Zach Brown. I don't know if you listen to Zach Brown band at all, but that dude makes knives, really good knives too. Yeah. Oh, yep. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I met him at Blade. With Neil. Cool. Did you? You met Zach Brown at Blade? Yeah. Where the fuck was I? <laughs> driving somewhere across Atlanta instead of being at Blade <laughs> Show where you should have been. Oh, that's true. Bastard. <laughs> I'll be there full time this year. But uh, but no, so I mean, it actually kind of goes back to um, something I think Ryan was saying on Fordside chat this uh, last week. Um, you know, people don't, and, well, and this is kind of a cliche as well, you know, people don't buy things from places, they buy them from people. And yeah. I definitely do that in my life, you know, whether it's a, the tool truck at work or wherever, you know, like I, I try and buy from people that I like. Um, I just signed up for a coffee subscription from a local, um, coffee house and it's like, well, nice. I could have done a coffee su subscription from anywhere, black rifle or this place or that place. But I'm like, no, I know this guy, you know, I yeah. know this guy, he, you know, he invited me up to his, his place to have a booth when he was doing an event, you know, cool. to try and sell my knives. Like, yeah, I'm going to buy coffee from him. I'm going to sign up for well, his coffee you're, subscription. You're keeping your money in your local economy too. Like you're, you're not, uh, outsourcing your money at all. It's not leaving your immediate community. I think that's really underrated. Oh, yeah. for sure. I completely yeah. agree with that. But just to, you know, bring it back to what you guys are saying, you know, like not just like having like a face, you know, to the, to, to the name or to the knife that you're buying, but like getting, I lost my train of thought. Ah, I hate when that happens. It just, it just <laughs> completely just like went out. It was right there. And then it was, I got distracted right by words. the coffee thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, were, you were talking about the face to the name thing. Uh, even even just in person, like going to Blade Show, going to Blade Show and meeting all the people you hang out with on Instagram or interact with on Instagram, being like, oh, you're that guy, you're that girl, you know, like, good to meet you. Uh, I always say, I always tell people, I had someone ask me, I went to Blade Show with him one year and uh, he's kind of a quiet dude. He's a knife maker too, but he was, uh, I was having just the, the best experience ever and he was having kind of a bad experience because no one was really talking to him and he wanted to show his knives to people, but no one was asking him and he was just feeling kind of timid. He's like, Jaden, why is this, you know, why is everyone talking to you? Why is like everyone not want to be interested in my stuff? And I was like, dude, I'm wearing a psychedelic cat shirt right now and I'm juggling for <laughs> people. Like, 
Of course people are going to engage, you know, they put on a funny hat, like talk with an accent and do something out of the ordinary because there's going to be a thousand people that come up and say, it's such an honor to meet you and you inspire me so much. And I've always been impressed by your work. But the one dude that comes up and teaches you how to juggle, you're going to remember. Or the one yeah. dude that comes up with an iguana on his shoulder or something, you know, um, be approachable. Because those, yeah, yeah. Be approachable, be memorable. And also take the time to go talk to people at events like that, because like what you were saying, Noah, uh, not just having a face to a name, but also a personality to a face and being like, oh, I like this guy. You know, this is a good dude. This is a good person. Uh, I'm going to invite him to my knife show that I'm having, or I'm going to invite him down to my shop if I see he's in town or whatever it is. I think uh, the people you know goes a long way. Yeah, for sure. And uh, this show's a good example. Look at our lineup last year before Blade and then after Blade. Yeah, true. Exactly. That's a good point. And a majority of those people were people that either Noah and myself or each one of us individually went up to and was like, hey, we have a podcast that's loosely about knife making. Would you like to come <laughs> on and talk about aliens with us? And most guys were like, hell yeah. There's a few that like, uh, there's a few that, and they all gave me the same thing. It wasn't necessarily a blade, but it was like, hey, you want to come on this podcast? Respectfully, I don't because it's out there forever. And my yeah. opinion changes so much that I don't want to be cool. stuck, stuck. And I totally respect that. Yeah, that's you that's know? respectable for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, I, I regained my trail of thought there, um, which see. is that, you know, when people are buying your knife, they're investing in you and yeah. they they understand that they understand that they think that it's a worthwhile investment because they like you as a person, you know, anybody can, and this is something we talk about all the time. Anybody can go to Walmart and buy a knife for $15. That's going to work in their kitchen. Fine. It's, is it going to be amazing? Is it going to stay sharp as long? Is it going to look as beautiful? No, but it'll work. The only reason that somebody's going to buy a, a knife from you as a knife maker selling a luxury item that's very expensive that you put all of your heart and soul into is because they recognize that you put your heart and soul into it and they like that aspect of it and they like you as a human being enough to spend that extra amount of money. Oh, yeah. I see where your thought was. It was because I was on Ford side chat is what yeah, and you were saying thought. basically the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I said um, it, it gets to a point where you start looking at the heirloom value of something. That too, Not, yeah. yeah. You know, like my my son's son's son is gonna have this knife, you know. Yeah. Or it's gonna be in my yeah. daughter's my daughter's daughter's kitchen, you know. Because we do hold value. Like what did Sharky say on that episode? He has a a shitty baseball hat that he loves more than anything, and it's because it was his grandfather's. Mm. Yeah. You know. That's a real thing, man. That's one of the the greatest honors, in my opinion, of doing what we do is seen someone get this thing that not only are they excited about it's improving their life maybe they'll find a love for cooking they didn't know they had or hunting or bushcraft or whatever it is but also like that thing's going to get passed down to the next person the next you know generation the next person in line in the family and it might uh it might become something that outlives you and the person who bought it and in a whole series of other people and like that's cool to get to leave that kind of long-lasting mark on something yeah, that was part of my my selfish base reasoning behind starting to make knives. <laughs> was because they'll outlive me. They'll be out yeah. there way longer than I am. Oh, who made this? Oh, that was this guy that died 20 years ago. Well, you and know. then that's when they'll get really expensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, 
you actually touched on something else there, you know, about maybe, maybe this will spark someone's love for cooking or bushcrafting or whatever it is. You know, we get attached to objects as yeah. human beings and just me personally, I have one of my reject knives in my kitchen and it's just a standard chef knife that I make. But if I'm cooking and I, you know, quote unquote, have to cook that night or whatever it is, if I cook something where I know I'm going to be able to use my knife that I made, it makes it better. Like I look yeah. forward to it, you know, just yeah. the, the special app, uh, special aspect of it, of being able to use this thing that, that I made makes the whole experience better. And I think that that goes for our customers as well. In fact, I know it does because I've heard this from them, which is that they look more forward to doing something because it gives them the ability to use the tool that I sold them, you know, or, you know, not that I sold them that I made for them, you know, yeah. I, it was a custom piece that I made for them to use. And when they get to use it, it, they get excited about it and it makes whatever that activity is even better than it would be otherwise. And, and so you're selling them that feeling of, of excitement of making something else better. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, you nailed it. I have the same thing. I've got one of my reject knives in my kitchen that I, uh, I found a love for cooking through using that thing. Like I love cooking now because I have a knife that I made that works well, that's fun to use. And it's just like, it's an enjoyable process. I like to torture my reject knives. I run them through the dishwasher and shit. Just see what, see what just the handles to see. will do. Yeah. yeah. And on the opposite yeah. end of the spectrum, we have Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> Micarta and G10 are the only things I found that'll hold up to a dishwasher. I believe that. Have you tried stabilized wood? Did that hold up at all? It stays together, but it definitely swells. Ah, uh, damn. After after like 20 or 30 washes. Good to know. Micarta well, changes color. It gets darker and darker the more times you wash it. Like I have uh, a bunch of this, like it's like tan colored vintage micarta, but after a hundred runs through the dishwasher, it's like dark, dark brown now. That's really yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. Hemp wood, like a... no go. Oh, nice. Dude. No, yeah, yeah no. But that stuff's all porous and stringy. Mm-hmm. I won't use I've it seen anymore. This, this thing while while we're on the textures and uh, patinas topic, patina quote unquote when you put it in the dishwasher. Um, <laughs> It's one way to force guys, Patina. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are familiar with Oliver Goldschmidt, right? I'm not. I think so. I'm oh, man. You got to check right out now. Oliver Goldschmidt's knives. I think he's one of the best knife makers around. He's just got this super, super amazing style. And he does these things. He's a big inspiration of Will Stelter. He's always talking about him. But uh, he's this Italian guy. And what I really like about what he does is he plays with these textures. And he did this one series of knives where he buried them in the ground for a year and he let them just like pit and rust away and stuff. And then he sandblasted them and left all the texture, but like gave it a nice, you know, even finish. And mm-hmm. it was okay. cool. Cause it's not a finish you could replicate any other way. Oh, There's dude. something about it. Okay. So I wasn't following him, but I have seen his knives because I'm scrolling through here and I can see that I've liked a number of his pictures. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he makes cool stuff and I really like his uh, work. He's got a really cool style. Oh, he's got this um, one where he put a Damascus butt cap on the end yeah. of a handle. He's the guy that inspired me to do a lot of the Damascus butt caps and inlaying Damascus into wood and stuff. I think Pirate Forge has done that where he's buried a knife because he lives like down in the swamps. Oh, and so nice. he like buried a knife in the swamp and like 
I remember seeing a video of him digging it up after so many days or something like that. That's cool. He does all those. He is crazy patinas. Um, him yeah. and um, Tortuga Blade Works with his yeah, shipwreck Brian. patina. Yeah, yeah Brian, Brian does some cool camp. stuff. I like Mike Lavalley too. too. Mike Lavalley's been doing some crazy, like weird finishes on his knives. Cool. Are talking about uh, uh, Wayne, Wayne from Pirate Forge, man. We were talking about having like selling your personality to and, and marketing yourself. Mm. That dude exudes weirdness in it. It does good <laughs> for him. Yeah. Because think about no. it. I mean, he's one of the most successful knife makers on social media, and it's because everything he does is just fucking strange. Yeah. And just includes throw a smile on, on and act a fool on camera. You're good to go. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> all it takes. I love his content, too. It's, it's so good. Super entertaining. Yeah, it's it's cool like he makes, yeah, <laughs> I was wanting to do that. Uh, so in my private life, I'm a bit of a, a hippie and I like going to Burning Man type events and uh, things where you'd find people wearing like full leather outfits with a whole bunch of rivets and spinning things that are on fire. And uh, <laughs> okay. I've always had this, this kind of fantasy of uh, building a blacksmithing hammer that's got Kevlar wicks on the side of it so that I can soak it in fuel and light it on fire while I'm forging. And I just thought that would be so cool for a video. Like you imagine seeing someone forging a knife with a flaming hammer that like sprays flaming fuel every time they hit, like there's just globs of fire coming off and stuff. Oh, well, that's way cooler than your moaning anvil idea. Noah. <laughs> hey, shut up. The moaning anvil was freaking <laughs> awesome. And by the way, by the way, listeners, I want you to know, I noticed that nobody did it. So I was going to give you something very cool and moderately valuable. And not one of you gave me a moaning anvil. Even those of you who said that you were capable of it. And it, it, none of, nobody came through. You know what? I'm, I'm, There's been a bunch I, of ideas on this show like that, though. Mareko came up with the fucking push dagger bow tie. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's Two right. little yeah. push daggers. That would be cool, actually. Yeah. Why has no one done that? I don't know. Probably because everybody's like now. me and just too busy with orders. Yeah, that's fair. That is I mean, uh, something I'm very fortunate to be able to say is I do not take custom orders. And it took a while to do that, but it was eating me alive. Yeah. yeah. I'm getting close. Um, I still I still want to take them just because it gives me motivation to keep making when I have nice. to keep making. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Someone waiting on you. Yeah, exactly. I can't Probably right now, so. even if I wanted to. I, yeah, I was gonna no say you're too busy. <laughs> I'm too busy now. I I picked oh, up yeah. a second restaurant. I didn't want to talk about it. I don't like to feel like I'm like boasting or fucking well, being can, a, a let's, weirdo. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about orders and stuff like that on the after show then. All right, because we we're play, an oh, hour yeah. twenty two in. Yeah, we're yeah we're good man. We're all set. Phoenix. But... I got I got to I got to take a piss pretty bad so I'm <laughs> I'm ready whenever. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Yeah, we'll switch over to the after show. All right. Well, shout out to all the people who support us on Patreon. Thank you guys all and we will see you over on the after show if you would like to listen to the after show where we're talking about orders and not taking orders and that sort of stuff. You can go to patreon.com and for as little as $1 a month support what we do on this show. We oh. appreciate you guys for doing that. Something about What's up, that. Brian? I wanted to let all of our patrons know I linked the Patreon to the broadcast software that we use. So it lists everybody's names in the show notes now. So if you are a listener of the fire and steel podcast and you put a change your name, something funny to like fuck with them, like they asked you, it will show on our show also, just so you know. (laughs) 
Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, is that going to change like every week or is it just going to be like copy and paste? Like whatever your name is now, that's what you're going to be known as forever on the hustle and grind. No, it changes. If you, if they change their name, the next show, it'll, it'll update. It's automatic. I don't have anything to do with it. I just link the two accounts. So if you have something on there that you're ashamed of, now is the time. Like to Fingal Ferguson's is a, yeah, Fingal Ferguson's is a dick emoji. Like the most famous uh, maker on the list, and he's like fucking dick emoji. Anyway, awesome. yeah. Oh crap! I need to change mine. Yeah, All yours right. is. Anyways, yep. Anyways, uh, anyways, guys, uh, I'm gonna go uh, change that right now, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Yeah, Jaden, thanks for coming on. We'll have to yeah, get you, you on again, Thank but you. this was a good time. Good. Yeah, I'd love to come back. Nice. Sweet. Appreciate you, man. All right. You guys have a good week. Bye. Bye. Bye.